Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The show is brought to you by our generous patrons at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast. Robots Radio presents the Fallout Lorecast. Welcome to the Fallout Lorecast, a place for the Fallout community to come together to explore the boundaries of our knowledge about the world of Fallout. My life fades, the vision dims, all that remains are memories. I remember a time of chaos, ruined dreams, this wasted land. But most of all, I remember the road warrior, the man we called Max. To understand who he was, you have to go back to another time. When the world was powered by the black fuel, and the desert sprouted great cities of pipe and steel. Gone now, swept away. For reasons long forgotten, two mighty warrior tribes went to war, and touched off a blaze which engulfed them all. Without fuel, they were nothing. They'd built a house of straw. The thundering machine sputtered and stopped. Their leaders talked and talked and talked. But nothing could stem the avalanche. Their world crumbled. Cities exploded. A whirlwind of looting. A firestorm of fear. Men began to feed on men. On the roads it was a white line nightmare. Only those mobile enough to scavenge, brutal enough to pillage, would survive. The gangs took over the highways, ready to wage war for a tank of juice. And in this maelstrom of decay, Ordinary men were battered and smashed. Men like Max. The warrior Max. In the roar of an engine, he lost everything. And became a shell of a man. A burnt-out, desolate man. A man haunted by the demons of his past. A man who wandered out into the wasteland. And it was here 
in this blighted place? How do you learn to live again? Hey, Vault Dwellers, welcome to the Fallout Lorecast. I have a very special episode today where I have a, a, a wonderful guest, somebody I've been chatting with for the last few weeks about some pop culture things going on in the Fallout games. Uh, and he is, a, he is a pop culture expert and teacher about this kind of content. And he hails from the continent of Australia, way over on the other side of the world from where I am, and was uh, very nice to meet me this morning everybody oh oh and he's also the host of his own dungeons and dragons show and he's going to tell us a little bit about that as well everybody welcome Stuart. Stuart, thank you for joining me on the show today thank you very much tom or robots um, <laughs> yeah it's tom good to be here should we call you Stuart, or is there a, another name oh uh, like yeah Stuart's good yeah Stuart's fun cool cool well um tell us a little bit about yourself and what you what, well let's just start with uh your other show that you're doing and you are not a a new person to this podcasting thing you've been doing this for a while with your own with your own content tell us about that yeah cool uh so i host a dnd actual play podcast called committee quest uh which we started about seven months ago well we actually started about 12 months ago but we had a whole bunch of technical issues that made us mm-hmm. start again about six months ago. Um, and we played D&D and crack a bunch of jokes, um, which started off with me and my friends just playing online because I've moved away from my hometown and now live in the country. And it was a good way to catch up with them. And we were like, hey, we're actually pretty funny. Um, so we thought we'd <laughs> Maybe we them. should share this with other people while we do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's had a good response. It's been uh, it's been fun. It's been a good uh, learning experience and a cool little um, cool little hobby to have. You know, creating stuff. I really like being creative like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I a few years back uh, ran my own Dungeons and Dragons show and and released a podcast about it and and it was a lot of fun. It was a it was a really good way to get together once a week with some friends and mm-hmm. have almost an excuse to have some fun, but also create something, you know? Yeah, for sure. I, I did hear that uh, listening. I, ha- I have listened to every episode of yours, so I am uh, uh, very keen on your show. It's cool. Um, and I was curious about your D&D podcast, but um, if yeah. uh, you know, we yeah. can talk about that another time if you'd like. Or Yeah, well, I've, I've actually considered... Um, I think I have all the files saved somewhere. I took it off uh, the host a while mm-hmm. back because I was because we hadn't continued with it and it just kind of had sat there from not really doing anything, not promoting it or anything. But um, yeah. I considered re- reposting some of them. And like you mentioned, I definitely had some issues early on with like some of the sound quality and, and getting everybody oh, yeah. upgraded with microphones that were good yeah. enough to use. Yeah, and, yeah for sure. Um, all that kind of stuff. So it's not the best quality series. So I, I just there's part of me that's like, you know, some of the audience might actually want to go back and listen to this because I think it's pretty entertaining. But yeah. It is a little bit more amateur than some of the other stuff I've been doing. So I yeah, don't know. It's, it's, um, it's one of the, like I listened to our first episode again the other day and I was like, Ooh, yeah. it's not as good as our current episode. Right. Uh, right. My, Even the my pacing. editing skills. Yeah. yeah pacing yeah. And, and like just learning the software as well, you know, you sort of, that takes a bit of time and, 
um, you pick up all these things as you're going. I like, I sort of think of it as, um, flying a plane and repairing it at the same time. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. You know, constantly learning new things and something goes wrong, but it's the plane's still flying and you're like, Oh, I've got to keep doing this. Yep. Um, yep. I actually cool. use the same analogy when I worked for a startup company. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> it just has to keep moving and you just got to fix it and rebuild things as it goes. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> cool. Um, so uh, to kind of wrap up the Dungeons and Dragons section, what, what, um, tell them a little bit about the campaign that you guys are on and what you're doing in your story. Oh, okay. Cool. Uh, so, uh, it's in a uh, homebrew world in my world of Amarin, which is, um, a world I came up with just to play around in. And it's sort of grown from a, um, Amarin's one of the, this, um, uh, one of the countries on a larger continent. Um, and Amarin's being invaded by a unknown powerful force. Um, and the heroes have just been given a major quest to find a magical item in the Feywild. Um, so they're mm. sort of working covertly with some, you know, uh, special forces type people uh, to go into the, the Feywild. Um, and they are... <laughs> Uh, they're expendable, essentially. <laughs> so, um, they're sort of last-ditch efforts to um, to stop the invasion. Um, cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, um, if anyone wants to check that out, that's uh, Committee Quest. And that's you guys right. are pretty much anywhere on uh, that you can get a podcast. So um, Everywhere, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're, if you're listening to this on whatever podcast player, just go ahead and search that and I'm sure you'll find it. Yeah. So but don't uh, stop listening to this. Listen to this first. And then go listen to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so cool. Um, now, now what's also interesting about you is your, um, your expertise in the world of pop culture and references and movies and books and literature and all, all that kind of stuff. And, there's a wonderful cross section between what you do for a living and the world of fallout, which is why, mm-hmm. why you're here today. Right. So, um, yeah. yeah. Tell the audience a little bit about what your, what your day job entails. So I'm a high school teacher, um, and I teach history and English, well, history and English and media studies. So media studies is a new one that I didn't know that I could teach. So I'd been teaching history and English for a while. And, and within that you do, film study and you do media study and you do, um, you know, studies of history. And then this subject came up as a senior subject called media studies, where I could teach kids about film and video games and um, podcasts. And I was like, I do all this stuff for fun. And you're (laughs) telling me I could do it for my job. Um, so I put my hand up to teach that. Um, and that's really been a popular thing at uh, the school. I live in, um, country South Australia. So, uh, quite a small school, quite a isolated community. Um, Mm -hmm. so new subjects like this really kids flock to it. You know, that's a chance for them to be creative, um, and to play around with different things at school that aren't just your standard subjects. Yeah, I'm sure it relates to them in in a much more uh, natural way, you know. Oh, I like movies. I like video games. I want to take that class rather than I like reading, you know, 200 year old literature. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah, man. 500 year old. And year 10 English kids here are doing um, Shakespeare, you know, which is great. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's it's pretty different type of English. 
for yeah. sure that's right um so media studies is great and it's fun for me like when i'm teaching i can do stuff about representations and i have a bit of fun with that and put on uh scenes from rocky four you know where it's these blatant representations of um the villain who's from russia and the good oh. guy who's from america and right. it's just so cheesy and blatant and um on the nose now when you look back at it really um but yes yeah, fantastic totally. for teaching those skills hmm. cool cool um, um that's gotta be you've gotta be like the cool teacher <laughs> at the school uh, sometimes sometimes <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. Uh, I mean, I do cool things. Uh, sometimes I'm not a cool teacher, though, but that's fine. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, I guess, that's the nature of being the teacher. Is sometimes you got to be, mm. you got to be kind of a hard ass and be like, well, you, I can't give you a grade you don't deserve. Sorry, kid. Yeah, so. that's right. You got to, you got to <laughs> earn it. And there's so often, yeah, anyway. Teaching's, <laughs> teaching's its own world. And it's cool that I get to do uh, part of my hobby uh, for a day job at school as well, which is cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So for this week's show, um, you've prepared some, uh, well, four different, um, very specific movie, uh, should we call them references? Should we call them? Yeah, um, yeah the, I would say they were sort of influential in the creation of, I would say the first Fallout games, the first mm -hmm. two, and then have continued on into the rest of the series. Um, these first four are definitely what? Uh, Tim Kaine was using as, as reference and, and influence when he created, started thinking up Fallout 1. Um, and you, I, you know, if I'll probably send some images through to you as well. So we, you, you know, um, listeners can have a look at what I'm talking about. Um, sure, sure. And we, we can share so those on Twitter, both of our accounts and, and get those out yeah, there. For sure. yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and I guess this is kind of why I really liked Fallout. You know, I got Fallout when I was, Fallout 1 when I was about, I think I was 15 and I'd finished work experience at a software supermarket and all that week I'd been looking at this post-apocalyptic role-playing game, uh -huh. Fallout. I'd just been looking at it on the shelf and I'm like, what is this? You know? Yeah, with the crazy, with the crazy cover. And yeah, like in, in the year 2000, the games that um, people were playing were like Quake 3 and StarCraft and, and yeah. Counter-Strike and Unreal and Half-Life and uh, Diablo 2, I think, came out in the year 2000 and yep. Deus Ex came out in 2000. So there were these like all these really fast-paced games. Um, and then there was this thing, this post-apocalyptic thing, and I took it off the shelf and I took it home and I, I instantly fell in love with it. I took it around to my friend's house and quickly bored him to death with it. He was not. <laughs> Wait, you have um, to read yeah. a bunch of dialogue and yeah, make him walk this fast? <laughs> yeah, Fallout 1, the first encounter is like 25 rats that you have yes. to give a turn. My friend was like, are you kidding me? i got to give that rat a turn? Like, yeah. <laughs> Can I just step um, on it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then I started noticing all this stuff that I knew from films, you know, like the... Uh, the road warrior, the, the uh, Mad Max Two, the road warrior. Yeah, let's let's go right into that one. That's uh, yeah. so at the beginning of the show, where we have the clip from the uh, that's the intro to the movie. That's right. So that's the intro narration to Mad Max Two, the road warrior, um, which was just called the road warrior in America um, mm -hmm. because Mad Max One didn't have as much popularity there. Um, and that really describes a, an awful post-apocalyptic world. And listening to that today, again, for the first time in a little while, it really did sort of 
link back to Fallout and how close they're connected. Um, and Tim Kaine has said that this, you know, the Road Warrior is one of the key influences on the creation of Fallout 1. Um, a little thing from IMDb, which I thought was really funny. Uh, this is the little description at the top of IMDb, and it says, In the post-apocalyptic Australian wasteland, a cynical drifter agrees to help a small gasoline-rich community escape a horde of bandits. And I just sort of thought that's not actually too far from what Australia's like anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you add on top of that all the animals trying to kill you. And then yeah, <laughs> you've, yeah. Got, I mean, you've got basically a post-apocalyptic wasteland. <laughs> yeah, and if you get out to some, I mean, that's obviously why he filmed. Uh, so George Miller is the director. The film was made in 1981. Um, really influential in all pop culture. Like uh, Directors like David Fincher and James Cameron have said that um, the Road Warrior was an influence on them. Um, and George Miller was Australian. Um, he decided that he was going to film in a place called um, Broken Hill, which is kind of central, central Australia, and it is a dry, desolate place. It's mm -hmm. exactly what you see when you watch that, um, watch that film. Um, yeah, I, I don't know a ton about Australia, but I do know that the majority of the continent is, is basically desert. Right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, so it's a very large, very large place, but there's only so much of it that's actually green. Yeah, that's right. And it's really all just around the edges. So mm -hmm. all around the edges of Australia is nice and green. Um, comes inland a bit in the far north, but majority of Australia is a dry, desolate wasteland, um, <laughs> wow. which was perfect for something like Mad Max, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so Mad Max, for those who haven't seen it, is an action film um, and it's basically about gangs of raiders who search for gasoline, okay? They need gas to fuel their cars um, and they fight and kill for that. And Mad Max is a drifter, uh, a lone wanderer, you might call him, mm -hmm. um, who doesn't want to help people but finds himself in situations where he has to. And sometimes does the good thing, even though he doesn't really want to. Um, he's a very interesting lead character. And the clothing that he wears in that is exactly the same armor that you get in Fallout 1 and 2. And I think you get it also in Fallout 3. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Uh, which is that black leather motorbike um, outfit with the sleeve missing. Very yeah. iconic for the film. And you, if you've played Fallout 1 and 2, you, you would recognize that straight away. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny that when the references are just that exactly the same. Yeah. 
And that's, that's not it. That's not that's not only like there's also the sawn off shotgun is mm-hmm. uh is that's his weapon in the film. Um and also dog meat. Yep. Mad Max has a pet dog that goes with him everywhere. Um and in Fallout 3, there's actually a guy you can find called Max who has a sawn off shotgun with no ammo in it, which is a trope from the, <laughs> from the film. Um, and you can talk to him for a while and then eventually he decides that he's going to attack you, but he doesn't have any bullets. So he starts punching <laughs> you <laughs> and his, uh, his dog jumps out from the side and gets at it. So, um, huge, imp- uh, you know, just so much of that film you can find in Fallout 1. Um, you know, roving bands, some peaceful settlements, this huge wasteland. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's, it's the, almost like a, a, a direct copy and paste from the setting. Yeah, that's right. Except um, for like the motorbikes and vehicles and things like that, which yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm wondering if that was more of a technological limitation of the time than it was a specific decision. I'm not sure. I th- yeah, I'm not too sure because in Fallout 2, you do get a car. You can get a car. You get a Chrysler car. Mm-hmm. and um, Right, but to have like but, a, a whole band of... Yeah, know, that... Doesn't work. Yeah. A whole like a whole gang of you know people and motor vehicles and yeah, I don't know. I can't yeah, imagine. It well, maybe it was less a design design decision because I can't imagine how that would actually work in this same world of gameplay. Like, do you just do a turn based battle against like oh, no. a horde of a dozen vehicles? Like, how does that work? Yeah, that would not be enjoyable um, at all. I don't think. Yeah, I would say that's probably it, and it was probably. I mean, there's no gasoline in the Fallout. Well, there's not gasoline used for fuel anyway, right. as much in right. Fallout in the Fallout world. Um, I would say you're probably right. Probably a design thing, and probably just wasn't going to work having that at all. Um, mm-hmm. But definitely the gangs. Like if you look at um, uh, the metal armor for in Fallout One and Two, it is very very similar to what some of the um, some of the raiders from Mad Max are wearing. Um, yeah, the whole aesthetic of um, raiders and people who have kind of like uh, pieced together parts of the society that was already there, welded mm. things, you know, wearing kind of mishmashed armor, and even their vehicles are kind of welded and equipped. Yeah, just all this random, and it's that junk. And you know, Fallout Fallout Four just you know, took that and ran with it, you know, collecting junk and, and making bits and pieces. Uh, and you can see from, uh, there's another film I'm going to talk about in a minute, like some of those stuff, some of those weapons you manufacture in Fallout 4 just look so similar to some of the stuff that's in, in some of these films. Um, I, think, I think we'll move on to the next film, which is sure. A Boy and His Dog, um, also a post-apocalyptic film. Um, a young man and his telepathic dog wander a post-apocalyptic wasteland. And that's, that's all IMDb gives you about that. Um, <laughs> that's it. That's the whole story right there. That's it. Um, front cover of this, all the uh, promotional posters for this have got the, uh, has the date, 2024 AD, um, which is not too far away from us now, actually. This film was no. made in 1975, so it was a very vast mm-hmm. future. Um, set after World War Four. Um, oh man, we've got some catching up to do then. We do. I mean, it's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen really quickly if we're going to catch up to this. Uh, and then again, this is a wasteland uh, scenario. There's been an atomic war. Um, everything's been wiped out. And the 
three most important things in the world are food, weapons, and women. So this, of, uh, of course, as of course. I mean, how is that any different than now? <laughs> It's, um, yeah, it's really, it gets really weird and quite, it sort of starts off quite dark, this film. Um, Mm -hmm. I watched it when I was at uni, uh, when I was like in my early twenties and didn't, couldn't really remember it. And I rewatched it this week. Um, and so essentially the man, the, the young man is called Vic and his dog is called Blood. Um, they have an agreement where dog finds, no, Vic finds food for the dog and dog finds women for Vic. Um, sort of goes really <laughs> dark. Essentially, there's like, they're, they're the three things. If you have food and women and weapons, uh, life's good. Uh, right, very, very just fundamental basic need type thing. Yeah. Kind of weird though. Like there's, you know, there's uh, the settlements have like, uh, pornography films playing, which you go and pay for to watch. and. This is all in the first sort of 10 minutes. Um, and then it slowly starts to change as he meets, he meets a woman that he doesn't instantly try and have sex with. Well, no, he does try to. And then there is something which could be, well, it is some sort of mutated monstrous creature that interrupts them. Ah. Uh, we don't get to see it though, but could be part of the inspiration for a death claw, I think. Um, and they set off on a journey where they come across a vault door, which is, you know, exactly what Fallout is all about. So while they're exploring, mm-hmm. they find this, this vault and they go down in there and there's this secret society that live in there, um, which I can't think of the, uh, which game it's out of, but there's a, there's, a, there's a settlement in one of the games where there's these high class upper-class people living in like this weird, they still think that they have riches and money, but it's, they don't have that. Um, and that's what they find down in this vault. Mm-hmm. So why am I talking about this film? Firstly, the vaults. Um, the vaults, uh, the, well, the vault in this film is a clear uh, distinction or connection to Fallout. Um, and then the Vic and his dog, Vic actually calls his dog at the very start of the film Dog Meat, uh, which right. is the name for, of the dog in Fallout. Creepy Underworld Societies. And then in Fallout 2, there's a guy called Vic, Vic the Trader. So also another close connection there. Yeah, direct reference. Mm, mm. Yeah. And there is quite so, a lot of that stuff. So I, I, I actually haven't watched this one, um, but I, I read about it a little bit. Um, is it... <laughs> does? You, you mentioned that the relationship between uh, Vic and this woman starts off typical with them, him trying to have sex and then, you know, the, the monster getting in the way. But th- does he come to realize that like, oh, you're actually a human being. <laughs> you're not just a thing. Uh, I think he does. I actually turned it off. Like it was pretty, it's pretty on the nose. Like it's 1975. Um, different views on the world back then, different ideas about what's okay and to be quite honest it made me feel a bit uncomfortable and i was like "Mm." so i sort of skipped forward a bit Mm -hmm. to where they were talking the man and and this woman as people talk so i'm assuming he does grow to to think that women are human beings which is which is a good thing for vic yeah Um, yes it's a good thing it's a good thing to realize (laughs) it's a really good thing that he realized um and that's that's you know an important thing when you're looking at 
at pop culture and you're analyzing films and books and and even video games from the past uh is that they were made in a different time you know so yeah i mean this is this sounds very 1970s i mean it, it like yeah some of the themes yeah. feel like they come very much out of that that era yeah you know and the guy who directed it um lived through the hippie era you know so they you know that person has all those and and the author especially lived through the um the hippie era and they have those different ideas about the world uh you know those ideas that change the world essentially mm-hmm. yeah but so a boy and his dog was also uh the inspiration for road warrior so um george miller watched that and was like i want to make a movie like that and he went off and made uh, mad max and then the road warrior mm-hmm. cool it's it's always interesting how different uh, types of literature and film and things all they all no idea is truly unique and stands by itself it's all, always something on top of the shoulders of something else that's exactly right that is exactly right and that's a really important thing to remember is that people say things like oh there's nothing original anymore and i'm like well was there any ever anything original you know what you know things always seem to be a remix of a remix of a remix right. um and the Fallout series are like a fantastic example of that. Like, you know, we've just talked about two films which describe so much of what is in Fallout, you know, the basis of Fallout. Um, just I'm sure the two of us, if we wanted to, could list off 20 other films or books or other video games that are referenced within Fallout, you know. Oh, yeah, there's lots of, there's lots of pop culture reference. So what's next on the list? Next one, we have Forbidden Planet which is a science fiction space film from the 1950s. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm just looking at it. it, it I'm sure it appears very quaint to our, uh, <laughs> our modern eyes. Oh, man, it is, it is fantastic. Um, I actually really like this film. I have watched, I've watched it in, uh, in entirety a few times, not recently, and I watched parts of it again in the lead up to this, and it is a fantastic film. Essentially... Oh, sorry, I'll give you the IMDb little thing first. Mm-hmm. A starship crew goes to investigate the silence of a planet's colony only to find two survivors and a deadly secret that one of them has. So, Dun. yeah, and that's exactly what it's like, man. 1956 is when this film was made. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the artwork on the cover. The, um, it, I mean, I, it's almost specifically a Protectron. It is 100% a Protectron. Like, yeah. Uh, Tim, so Protectron, I was confused. I'm like, yeah, that's a Protectron. And it's a reference, you know, this was an influence to Fallout. And I'm like, but Protectrons didn't come around until Fallout 3. So mm-hmm. I was a bit confused about this. So I did a bit of digging. Um, Tim Kane and the other developers, right? They, um, they sat around well, while they were working. They had films running and they had music playing. And, and this is one of the films that they had sort of running in the background. And they really loved the uh, the art style. They wanted to use that 1950s science fiction uh, in their game, which has carried on throughout the whole series. Um, so whilst the oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I, uh, I was gonna. I'm looking at through the pictures, and the um, I mean, it really is. Uh, if you were to create a like, I, I work in marketing. If you were to create a like design 
uh, there's a word for it when you're working on references for artwork. You pull a lot of references and create kind of just this tapestry of different things that you would look at as you are designing something new. And Mm -hmm. all of these images, uh, you know, everything from the robots to just the uh, simple geometry of the spacecraft. Oh, yeah. You know, the the kinds of the manufactured things and then also the planets, you know, are, are simple shape circles and, and rings yeah. around them. And then you even have, um, you know, like the laser blaster, like oh, that yeah. alien See, laser just... blaster is identical <laughs> to the one that is in the film. Yeah. Yeah, man. It is that. And like when you think of it like a, an old school ray gun, that's it. Um, and it's I mean, I I'm fairly sure it's because of this film that that's what we think of when we think of 1950s science fiction, you know, like mm-hmm. this was the first film to have humans traveling in the spaceship going to another planet. So like they'd had flying saucers coming to earth. Imagine being in a cinema and for the first time you see a flying sort, like a flying saucer that aliens are in landing on a planet and humans are stepping down and out, you know, like it was, at the time, it was mind blowing. People, yeah, was, like this is said, backwards. What? Yeah, yeah, People? yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> People don't get uh, out of spaceships. Yeah, yeah. It's so it's um it's so cool. Uh, like it's I watched a documentary about this a long time ago about uh, the special effects that are used. So it's 1950s. Uh, it's it's not what we have today, obviously. Uh, but the way in which they used what they had at the time, uh, they compared it to what Star Wars was in the 1970s. Like Star Wars mm-hmm. was leaps and bounds ahead of its time when it first came out. This was the same with Forbidden Planet. Um, and it makes a huge impact on into Fallout, especially in what the technology looks like and what the robots look like. So... The robo brains in Fallout One are one of the robots that uh, they're like sort of on a running on tracks, and they have yeah, a bulb like a thing tank, at the top. Of, tank yeah, tank. they're like a little yeah. tank. Yeah, exactly right. And but they like hold rifles, which is weird. Um, <laughs> a very similar art style. And if you look at the technology in the vaults and compare that to the technology that's on the spaceships, uh, very similar sort of stuff. And especially uh, the Mothership Zeta, uh, mm-hmm. which was yeah. an expansion on New Vegas? Uh, Fallout 3, I think. Fallout 3, okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, those ray guns, those things are straight out of this film, you know, like uh, they really did take a lot of that art style uh, for that science fiction element uh, from, from this film. And what we've seen, what Bethesda has done uh, with the 1950s art style is just taking it to new levels, you know, like it's, uh, fantastic. I personally love that, how, how that game looks in mm-hmm. that sort of setting. Yeah. Even the, um, the clothing, like the, the suits that the, um, main cast wear the, um, mm. the way that the, uh, you'll have to look up the pictures. We'll share some of the pictures of this stuff, but, um, uh, just the cut of the clothing, the way that the the clothes fit, you know, and on top of that, the hairstyles from the 1950s, yeah. of course. But yeah. even like the the short dress that um, the woman on the the cover is wearing, it's got like the high high uh, neckline, but then it has yeah. like the cropped shoulders, and, and it's kind of a short skirt. Yeah, um, 
yeah, a lot of stylistic stuff, very, very specifically pulled from this. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Um, a hundred percent. And a fun, a fun fact: uh, one of the lead actors at playing a hero is Leslie Nielsen. The yeah, yeah, yeah. I noticed you, that too. He looks. Like I didn't, rec- I obviously didn't recognize him. He's not the gray-haired funny man. Uh, <laughs> right. He's like a serious um, starship commander. <laughs> it's really jarring, but it's cool. Um, yep, Commander Adams is who who he plays. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, I guess that moves us into our last one, which is a film that I've only just recently become familiar with, which is called The City of Lost Children. Now. This is a really bizarre, quirky, surreal film. It's French. Um, it's made by the same directors as Delicatessen and Amelie, which is, sorry, I'm going to butcher these French names, but it is Jean-Pierre Jeunette and Marco Caro. Um, this film's from 1995. It's really dark, really surreal. Steampunk. It's got a lot of steampunk elements. Science fiction. It's yeah, about with a, a, science with a young uh, Ron Perlman too. A very, very young Ron Perlman, which uh, I, I listened to a. Oh, I think I watched. Maybe I watched a presentation that Tim Kaine did talking about the creation of Fallout One, um, and they said that they had this film pretty much constantly on repeat. Uh, it's about a, a scientist in a surrealist society who kidnaps children to steal their dreams, hoping that they slow his aging process. So this crazy mad scientist can't have dreams. And because he's never happy, he's getting older and older, faster and faster. And he, he, he has these things called cyclopses, which are kind of like mutants that uh, have these crazy eye attachments uh, that look, in design look very similar to some of the fallout stuff um, who go out and capture children, take them to his tower where he tries to suck the dreams out of them. Uh, so really dark, but mm-hmm. not done in a graphic way, just in a really bizarre way. Um, yeah. Looking at the um, screenshots of this, you can almost all of them have some sort of like fisheye lens yeah. Or um, are uh, what's the, you may know more about this than I do, but like when specifically the the camera shot is at an angle, it's kind of cantered. Yeah, an ang- angled shot. Yeah, angled shots. shot sometimes. Yeah. Shots. yeah, all of that stuff is done in film. From my expertise, for from my expertise in the film world, uh, which is very little, uh, to create feelings of unease and yeah, you know, like just like it just doesn't feel. There's something subconscious about that that just doesn't feel natural. Yeah, and that's what this whole film does. Um, I've, I've, I've gotten. I only got the film today. I was, I, <laughs> I heard about. It, I'm like, what is this? And I'm looking at this tiny, this young Ron Perlman, um, who, by the way, is totally ripped in this. Like he, he at this opening, he's he works in like a, a, a carnival, like a freak show, uh, and he's the strong man who breaks open chains, and he's like mm. the most ripped guy. He's huge. Mm. Um, uh, he basically he basically plays a he's like the lead action hero, but he's super strong and super super powerful. But he's not very smart, and he teams up with a uh, a little girl who's the thief, 
Uh, she's she's intelligent, quick-witted, and and does all the the sneaky stuff. Um, and what really struck me is how much this looks like Fallout One and Two, especially uh, in the places like the Hub, uh, the Children of At- of the Atom. Mm-hmm. There's a, a very important place in Fallout One called the Cathedral. These really dark browns. Um, I can't, it's hard to describe. It's brown, black, and dark is what, what my notes have um, written here. Um, <laughs> yeah, everything and, everything looks like it's underground. Everything is- Yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah. It's, it's lit by maybe one or two light sources. Uh, so there's very strong shadows on, yeah. on a lot of the shots. Um, there's, uh, describing a, something visual for podcasts is always a little tricky. Yeah, it's so hard. I do have, I am, so because I'm a teacher, I've made a PowerPoint uh, for myself. Uh, which I will make pretty and I'll forward that to you um, and cool. so people can access that if they'd like to. Um, but some of those, some of the establishing shots in that, so some of the, the shots that are showing us a, uh, like an alleyway or showing us uh, a house, they are so similar to what it was for me as a kid rocking up at the hub in Fallout 1 at night time uh that's what it looked like to me you know like it was just and you can tell that these guys were watching this film basically constantly now watching it constantly um, mm-hmm. and one of the things that stuck out to me here is the children so this is all about children who get kidnapped uh, and, and all these horrible things happen to children and fallout one and two got in a lot of trouble because of uh how tr- children were treated in in that so there were countries around the world that banned Fallout 1 uh, because you could kill children. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I wonder if that's, you know, there's a connection there. Uh, if you're sitting or if you're consuming media all the time, that stuff sort of comes through almost via, via osmosis, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That mm. makes sense. Um, yeah. The, the, I, I highly recommend, I always highly recommend something on my show. I guess it's one of my go-to phrases, but um, go, go check this out. Go at least look at the screenshots. Um, yeah. even, even the technology that's shown, like the, um, the head um, yep. has tubes in it. It's like large tube technology. It's very steampunky. It's very mm-hmm. um, not miniaturized. That's one of the things we talk about on the, on the show. Um, yep. So it's got, it has that quality to it. It's almost this, uh, the world appears to be almost this extrapolation of, uh, like 1800s. Um, like if you were to take Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and move that forward in time. Fantastic comparison. Yep. So and then, you know, this is this is future France. You know, this is how French person (laughs) sees Paris in the future. You know, that's, that's. Mm Uh, what they were sort of throwing out there, it seems. Uh, yeah, it, when, it, and, and when you watch the film, it is, it's, it's almost always raining. It's dark. Um, and there's there's almost always a haze over the, um, the shots. Like, uh, yeah. like uh, you take something like Fallout 3 and everything kind of has this green tint. And there's definitely scenes where everything looks like it's green tinted or brown tinted. Yeah. Or reddish, um, which is interesting because if this was made in 1995, then this was before you had like digital post post processing uh-huh. that came out. And, and this is uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, was it my brother? Where art thou? 
which yeah. I think is the first film that actually used that in order to color correct the, the entire movie. In order and that to was like 99 or 2000 or yeah. 2001, maybe? Yeah, so this would have been before that. So the lighting in these scenes would have been designed yeah. very intentionally to, yeah. to evoke that without being able to do it in post-processing. Yeah, 100%. And it's... Um, and this whole thing must have been set, shot on sets because nowhere looks like this. Um, so, yeah, lighting would have played like lots of um, uh, brown lenses and green lenses and, and things like that over, over lights to, to replicate that sort of look. Yeah, um, yeah. Very, very dark, very, very dark. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> and that's, and that is exactly how the, the cities in Fallout and Necropolis as well. Uh, I sort of found that Necropolis in Fallout 1, whenever I got there, it was nighttime and it was dark and it was scary and there mm. were ghouls everywhere. Um, I, think, I think because of Necropolis, I didn't finish that game for a long time. <laughs> so it, was, it just creeped me out, you know? <laughs> nice. It's too much. I can't take it. Awesome. Um, well, that's, that's very, very cool. Uh, if... Um, if people have any more questions about any of this stuff, what's the best way, way for them to get a hold of you specifically? Okay. Um, that would be probably through Twitter, uh, which is, uh, well, it's the podcast Twitter. I don't have my uh, personal Twitter anymore, but you can get me at, at committee quest. Um, and I'm also on Instagram, uh, which is at committee dot quest. So if you want to hit me up questions, any questions about pop culture referencing and pop culture in general or films, or if you want to nerd out about films, that's a thing that I do on the regular. Mm -hmm. uh, you can find me there. Or even just Fallout stuff. And you're now on our, our Discord. So um, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Any of the Discord people, you can shoot me a message there. Um, I'll drop some of these photos in there as well into Discord. Yeah. Well, you're a uh, Watkinson. Uh, DM yeah, that's on me on the discord. So yeah, jump in there guys and, and, uh, share your thoughts on, on this episode and on some of these movies, some of the influences that you've noticed, uh, mm -hmm. in the fallout universe. Um, I, I'd love to, I, I try to make this as conversational as I can with the audience. So I'd love to keep the conversation going. Yeah, and if there's sure. things that you, you know, or want to discuss deeper. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'd love to have you on the show for kind of a follow-up where we can go into some of the other pop culture stuff. Maybe yeah, for sure. Like this so. is, this is, you know, the baseline where people got ideas for artwork and some, some story and world building when they were making fallout one. And there is so much more like it's the reason why I fell in love with that game. When I, when, you know, I found those mentats for the first time, you know, having mm -hmm. played June, for years. Yeah, they're referenced the in, in the Dune books and movies, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, mentats are, um, mentats are like humans that have been trained to have computer minds. Um, it's really crazy science fiction stuff. And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> that's the same word. Yeah, there's all sorts of cool Easter eggs from all sorts of movies like Monty Python or uh -huh, yeah. uh, books like um, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide. There's some, yeah. you know. Uh, especially the wacky stuff. And that's what one of the things that's so cool about uh, the Fallout universe is that it, it has, like we've been talking, these very dark themes and very dark mm -hmm. tones and these, you know, drawing from movies as serious as, as the one, you know, City of Lost Children and Mad Max and, and those kinds of things. But then 
it also has this like wacky, silly spin. So, so silly. And, and they talked about that. They talk about that when they were creating it. They're like, yeah, so we've got this really dark thing that's ultraviolet, but it's funny. And <laughs> right. It's, and, and it's ultra funny, ultraviolence. Imagine trying to sell that idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can imagine but, a board of directors, a bunch of people in like their, the later half of their lives who make very mm. specific financial decisions on very safe kinds of things going. It's probably, yeah. What? It's probably why you wouldn't get a game like this again. You know, like this, uh, uh, starting out this way, it wouldn't like, so, so Tim Kane, he started making this on his own and he was working it into play. Mm-hmm. And he, no one was allowed to work on the game because it wasn't a, an assigned game. You know, it was just something he was doing. So he would, he invited people to come and have pizza after work. And then the people that rocked up were the people that were super interested in making a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. And he had to really fight for it in the studio once it actually came down to actually. Yeah, well, it took six months of him real. working by himself and these guys coming in after hours to work on it to get one extra person. And then it took another six months before they're like, okay, this is turning into a thing. And they started giving sort of dedicated workforce. And overall it was three years to build, to, to create Fallout 1. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And wow. a lot of pop culture was consumed. <laughs> sure. They probably, they probably had a lot of late night like coding and putting yeah. movies up, up on the TV and yeah. drinking while they code. And, you know. Yeah. There's a really uh, cool, there's a really cool podcast where Tim Kaine and I can't remember the other guy. I think he was the art director maybe uh talk about that and what life was like for them because they're in their like 20s working at this game uh working at interplay and there were you know 30 or 40 other people in their 20s working there and it was a really vibrant place to work you know it would have been yeah. crazy yeah that's i think that's one of those situations a lot of uh creatives a lot of people who who like to make things and create content and those kinds of things or consume this kind of content uh dream to be part of at some point is this like mm. this tight-knit community of really interesting people doing something fun creating something together there's there's definitely a draw to that and it's yeah. it's and, neat and because it's yeah, it's it's a it's like a you can tell it's a passion project and it's something that um even in the most recent fallouts the the people who are actually designing the games I mean there's always corporate decisions we can argue about mm. the nature of Fallout 76 and what what the corporate side of it decided to do but mm. the people who are actually building the game and putting the things in the game they mm. you know the, you can tell that they have a love for the material they have a love for this universe and they want to add their own personal little touch or make their own personal little connection to some pop culture thing that really influenced them or they thought was really funny, you know, mm-hmm. and, and insert those things in there. And that's why games like this, even though they're so, even though a company like Bethesda is so massive at this point, still can feel so personal. Yeah, that's right. Um, it, I, 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 I just touch. started, um, just started playing, New Vegas again, because I've been listening to your podcast and you've, you've forced me down. It's <laughs> your Vegas. fault. All right. Yeah. Uh, man, if I had, if I had more time, I would, I would jump back. I would, I just don't have time. I would go back yeah. into like all of these games and yeah. And I, yeah, like I do it quite often. I'll, I'll jump back into old games and, and, and fool around a little bit. And, and at the moment it's New Vegas and I've, I've put on the wacky wasteland mm-hmm. perk, I think it is. And the first thing I, that happened was I found Indiana Jones in a, um, he's 
in a fridge. Right. So it's a bit yeah. of a, a uh, t- it's a takeoff from whatever that force Indiana Jones, the crystal scrolls. <laughs> crystal scrolls. Yes. Right. Uh, you know, where he, he hid himself in, in the fridge. Um, so cool. I was like, see, that's cool. And you can pick up the hat and now I'm getting around with Indiana Jones's hat, you know? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That's the only way I ever played that game was with that, that perk. I don't yeah. know what the game is like without it. I like to the point where I don't know which things are specifically wacky and included or just, <laughs> I don't know. I, it, it, the whole thing is just wacky to See, me. See, I wish I did that. I was, you know, in my mid twenties, being very serious. So, <laughs> now I'm as, not serious. as we all as we all do. Um, well, cool, Stuart. Well, thank you so much for joining me uh, this week's show and dropping the knowledge bombs. That's what the kids yeah, say these days, I right? Hope I that's yeah, yeah that's a bunch of teenagers. Yeah, that's what they're like. They're, you're dropping knowledge, knowledge, not knowledge bombs. And, you know, it just recently, uh, on the, the vault boys were talking about the phrase mood. Oh yeah. God. Yeah. I guess that's getting around. So that's, much. The first, that's the first I've ever heard of that. That just shows how old I am. Yeah. There's a, there's a whole, there's about, I think there's about seven words and noises, uh, <laughs> that are used to describe the whole spectrum of human emotions. Um, mm. like mood. Mood isn't enough. That's just, that's what you, you need, you need a descriptor to go with the mood anyway. Right. <laughs> anyway. It's a whole nother language. All right, cool. Well, we'll wrap it up. Um, if yeah, you guys have cool. any, uh, any more info on any of this stuff or things that you want to reference, feel free to reach it out to both of us on Twitter or in the mm-hmm. discord every day. More, more people are jumping in the discord and just kind of having conversations and hanging out or playing games together. So, um, be sure to jump in there and uh, thank you again, Stuart. And we'll plan, let's just, we'll shoot for, I don't know, maybe sometime next month we'll get together and we can talk about like our top 10 favorite, like Easter eggs, like little. Yeah. Little, that sounds cool, man. I like that idea a lot. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining me and we're going to move on to the next section of the show. Okay. Thank you very much. Hello there, old chat. Good to see another of General Atomic's finest still eager to serve. If you have any questions about Nuka World, I'd be delighted to answer them. Why don't we ask the newcomer? You support the news? So big news, friends. The Robots Radio Network is now sponsored by Loot Crate. This means that you will get 15% off on your purchase of a crate or a crate subscription at LootCrate.com. Now, all you have to do is click on the link in the show notes. It'll take you to lootcrate.com. And when you purchase something, you can put in the code robotsradio, R-O-B-O-T-S-R-A-D-I-O. And when you do that, you get 15% off your purchase. Now, this is awesome because they have Fallout crates, they have video game crates, they have superheroes. You get t-shirts and figures and art to put on your walls. This is actually where I got the Brotherhood of Steel flag that I have behind me in some of my videos. Very, very cool stuff. I'm super excited about it. And if you have somebody who's already buying you loot crates for your birthdays or or whatever, give them the code. They can use it if you want to use this for somebody else's gifts. Or if you just want to get yourself one or two boxes, you can use the code for yourself. Again, just click the link in the show notes and type in the code ROBOTSRADIO, R-O-B-O-T-S-R-A-D-I-O. You just put that in the box at checkout. 
Super cool stuff. I hope you guys check it out. And any purchases you make help to support the shows on the network. So whether it's my shows or someone else's shows, click the link in the show notes for your favorite show. Give them some support and get yourself some awesome loot. Hey, Vault Dwellers. This is Tom or Robots, your host. Thanks again for joining us. I hope you enjoyed this special edition of the show. I, I think it was kind of a fun way to look at things from a different angle, you know, give you a different kind of perspective on some stuff and dig into something that's kind of like meta lore, you know, influences outside of the realm of the, the actual content of the universe of the game that influence to the universe of the game. So uh, I hope to do some more of this kind of stuff. There's a whole lot of actual other content we can go over about things that are influential or things that kind of show up in the Fallout games that are references to pop culture things. And um, Stuart was a great a great guest to have and he is very knowledgeable about that kind of stuff and he's got a really cool accent so that's cool too so i know this episode's going kind of long and i won't keep you too much longer but i gotta get through a few things first of all most importantly brand new patron we have some brand we actually have a few brand new patrons to the patreon account but uh you specifically get called out on the show if you subscribe if you patronize I still, I'm still not sure about that word, at the $5 or more amount. And this week, we are welcoming Christian C. to the patron club, into the vault, into the patron vault. I don't know, man. I got to come up with some funny names for this stuff because they all sound a little bit weird. Um, but thank you, Christian. I really appreciate you uh, patronizing and supporting the show. I should just say supporting the show. And um, it, honestly, everybody who pay, who's a patron, I, I really, really appreciate it. Um, check out the Discord because there's a special patron section of the Discord. Anybody who donates even a dollar a month gets into the patron section of the Discord and actually, that's getting busier and busier as people sign up. So not only are more people in the Discord, but more more patrons means more people chatting in the patron only section. And I'm going to do a I'm going to try and do a good job of revealing content early to patrons. So and that will specifically be noted in the patron section. I think sometimes I will also give uh, special discounts to patrons for the store. Uh, just heck, if I just feel like on a whim, like actually today I was at work and you know what? I was like, I'm just going to put a $5 coupon out there, coupon code out into the world. Um, for anybody who's interested or has been wanting to buy any of the uh, shirts or, or phone cases or anything with the, the Fallout uh, Lorecast logo on them. So um, I'm going to be doing some special stuff like that just for our patrons. So if you want to be included and know about things early on, and I'm also throwing around the idea, there's a way through Patreon to do early releases of the show specific for patrons first and it has to do with an rss feed that works only on patreon and i don't know a whole lot about it but i think it might be worth looking at if you guys think that that's valuable let me know um current patrons if you think that that's valuable to get get episodes of the show a little bit earlier than everyone else maybe a day or two early uh let me know and if you are interested in that in general just drop me a note let me know what you think um i may or may not choose to do that but it could be something else that i do for you guys because i really do appreciate your support and i want to be able to give you as much as i possibly can for any support you give me so you know got to keep the got to keep it reciprocal i always feel like I, I need to be doing more so um so that said if you 
can't be a patron, don't worry. The show will always be free. There's no no worries about that. I'm glad that you are just here and listening every week. And thank you so much for the the kind words and for just saying hi in Discord and those kinds of things. I really, really it it brightens my day every single time somebody reaches out just to say hi, how you doing? Or I like the show. That so appreciate that a ton. Um, other ways that you can help support the show are by. I wonder if you guys can hear the dogs. The dogs are barking in the background. I'm recording during doggy barking time. So that's going to happen. But, um, other ways you can support the show are to tell a friend, tell 10 friends, tell anybody, you know, who's into the fallout games and might be interested in, in listening, let them know, Hey, this is a, this is a cool show to take a, take a listen to. And so there's lots of different ways to listen. If they're not into downloading podcasts, they can always listen on Spotify. If they have Spotify subscription, if they don't want to do that, they can always just stream it off the website. So there's lots of different ways to get a hold of the content. And, um, if you'd like to check out the streams, there's always the streams. The, the stream is now renamed. And I mentioned this last week too. um, uh, robots radio. So it's twitch.tv slash robots radio instead of twitch.tv slash fallout lorecast. So if you're wondering if you were following fallout lorecast, you're wondering why I haven't been streaming and who's this robots radio. That's, that's me robots, robots radio. That's all my shows. So, um, drop in sometime. I'm usually streaming in the evenings, at least a few times a week after 9 PM Eastern. And for those of you who do come in regularly, I, I I'll do appreciate you seeing you guys. And it's always a blast. And some man, some of the jokes that you guys, you guys are brilliant. Some of the, some of the things you guys come up with are actually going to influence things that happen in the show. So, uh, I do appreciate that as well. And last but not least, um, we've got our iTunes reviews, which of course, every week you guys are just blowing this out of the water. I cannot believe we're going to hit a hundred five-star ratings before I hit episode like 30 or something. That's I don't know if anyone else has hit that many five-star ratings that quickly. So we've got some reviews to get through and uh, thank you again so much to everyone who takes the time on iTunes or any, any other service you use to drop me a rating. And if you leave words, I will be reading them out on the show uh, just to give you double thanks for, for taking the time to do that. Cause I really, really do appreciate it. So first we have lucky to be alive from the United States who writes refreshing, Finally, don't have to spend my time reading through the wiki to learn about the lore. Thank you very much. <laughs> you are very welcome. Uh, lucky to be alive. Then we have um, S French 67 from Australia, an Aussie friend. Hello, Aussie friend. Uh, brilliant. Loving the show. A fantastic way to learn more about a series I've loved since Fallout 3. Well, you're welcome. Thank you for tuning in all the way from Australia. That's like the other side of the planet Earth. You you guys are upside down, or am I upside down to you? I don't know how that works. Then we have uh, LomoFan13 from the United States, who writes, like a college course you actually want to take. Fantastic podcast from the subject matter to the sound quality. Great job. Well, thank you, LomoFan. I do appreciate that. And um, yeah, I've had those college courses that I do actually want to take. And often they uh, have, you know, a cool professor who drops some knowledge and makes a joke every so often. So maybe we should call me the professor. That would be uh, that would be ridiculous because I can't give myself my own nickname and that would be terrible. So don't do that. Don't call me the professor. All right. So here we go. We've got the next one from Zombie Joe in Canada 
who says research without the hassle. I love listening to this podcast because every episode talks about something different within the world of fallout. I get my lore fix without having to do the research myself, which is great because I often don't know where to begin or what source is reliable. Robots includes, oh, and he used zeros, call out for the zeros, includes his sources, which is a bonus, especially if someone like myself wants to go and do more research on a particular subject. Thank you for the awesome work you do and keep fighting the good fight. Huzzah! I feel like that needs a huzzah at the end, but I just added that. Zombie Joe did not say huzzah. That was a robot's edition. And then we have Oi, uh, Oi Nickname, Oi Nickname uh, from the United States who writes, Thank you, three exclamation marks. Appreciate how you stay on the subject of interest like you actually prepared before the show. Not like those three son of a beep uh, that talk about unrelated nothings for an hour. I don't know who you're talking about, but I do appreciate the uh, the, the review. And I'm sorry if you don't enjoy other shows, but thank you for noting that I stay on topic. At least until the end. I try to stay on topic at the beginning and give you guys that stuff so that if you get to this part of the show and you don't want to hear me ramble on about stuff and, and thank people, that you're it's totally fine to just turn the show off and, and be done with it. But if you want to hear me say funny things about people's reviews, then of course you're free to listen. So thank you again, OI nickname. Then we have Brandon Baker in the United States who writes great work. Incredible job. I like the Elder Scrolls lore as well. Can't get enough. Keep it up. So he's calling out the other show, Elder Scrolls Lorecast, which if you haven't taken a look at yet, you guys should Go ahead and give that a try, especially if you've played any of those games. It's Their lore is just as deep and interesting as Fallout. It just is kind of a completely different thing, but it's also super cool. So, yeah, give that a, give that a chance if you want to get some more robots talking about things. Uh, then we have Java Doggy in the U.S. who writes, Awesome background info. I played Fallout 1 and 2, then came back for 76. Wow, that's a big jump. One and two, and then 76 without any of the ones in the middle. I love all the fill in the blank information covering the history of the world. I look forward to each and every show. Java Doggy, thank you so much. Um, I would recommend if you're enjoying 76, go back, play some Fallout 3, New Vegas. Fallout 4 was probably an easier one to go back to from 76 if you've gotten used to the mechanics. But the other ones are great too. They all have such good stories and characters and things. Um, so if you have any extra time, go check those out or, you know, just do what you want. If you're enjoying 76, then just keep playing that too. Then we have the last one, uh, Anaxis 593 from the U S writes amazing work. Greetings robots. I found this podcast on Spotify and made an iTunes account just to review for you. Dude, dude, lady, dude, gen- gentleman, dude, whichever you are. Thank you so much. That is amazing that somebody would just take the time to create an iTunes account just to review the show. Um, I just can't believe it. I love all Bethesda games. Hey, me too, especially Fallout and TES, The Elder Scrolls. And I think you are doing a spectacular job on both of your podcasts. The content is nicely paced and incredibly educational. I'm also enjoying the guests you bring on and have started following other podcasts thanks to you. I appreciate each episode you put out and I'm very excited to see where this goes. Keep up the amazing work. Well, thank you so much. I I try to do a good job reaching out to other people in the community who I think are um, interesting, who have really good perspectives and bring something different than what I do on the show. So I'm glad that you're into that. I've still got other people lined up that 
are going to be doing other shows in the future. I still want to be able to, I don't want to inundate too much with guests and then get away from some of the core content. So I'm still trying to balance that out. If ever the balance seems a little bit off, just shoot me a note on the discord or on Twitter or whatever. Let me know. I'll adjust, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just working, trying to work in all the ideas and create that nice little soup of all the good stuff. And I think maybe you guys are enjoying it. So that's great. Um, thanks again to everyone who reviews the show and all of the, the help you give me, whether it be the financial backing or the calling out, uh, reviews on iTunes or just even setting up an account to do that is amazing to me. Thank you so much. And next week I will be back, uh, with a, probably a regular episode unless, I mean, there's a chance that I do throw in another special one, but we'll see. I haven't quite planned it all out yet. And until then you guys know how to get a hold of me at fallout Lorecast on Twitter or falloutlorecast at gmail.com or just go to robots radio net to check out the stuff there and drop me a note on there and until next time um i guess try talking to your dog telepathically because you might need its help at the end of the world in order to find a love interest all right see you later thanks for listening to the fallout Lorecast. all sounds and music are owned by bethesda softworks and no copyright infringement is intended if you have something you'd like to contribute to the show, please contact us at falloutlorecast at gmail.com or follow us and post some messages to us on Twitter at falloutlorecast. And if you'd like to support the show, tell a friend or check out the rewards you can get for becoming a patron at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast. I really appreciate you listening and I'd love to hear from you soon. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.